What does Snowball, Walter White, Satine off Moulin Rouge, and Kumquats have in common? How about a 2017 quadriplegic flick, The Upside? We roll back to the year the Mexican drug Kingpin El Chapo is extradited to the United States to await trial. That fact has nothing to do with this movie, but was cool to say. Kevin Hart gives us a more serious character that shows us a softer side to his goofiness. Walter White is incapable to cook meth, but loves his kumquats. From the ghetto heart to the man richer than Jay-Z in this amazing movie on this episode of Cinema and Sugar. Cinema and Sugar. What's cracking, sugar cubes? We'd like to welcome our sweet sugar co-host, A.A. Ron. Hi! And let's welcome our special guest, popcorn, Rusty Thunderbeard. Thanks for having me, guys. So, dude, so <laughs> there's times where I get so writer's block when I'm writing the show intro <laughs> that I do this one. I just literally Googled, hey, something that happened in 2017 <laughs> 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 that's somewhat intriguing. <laughs> So anytime I write these, uh, I write them at home, and I uh, run them past uh, Leandra. She'll be on uh, my sexy uh, Latina wife. I run them, <laughs> run them past her, and she says yes or no, or just you know critiques them. And uh, sometimes she's like, "That's the worst one I've heard all day." And I'm like, "Sounds good. We're keeping it." <laughs> I had to walk away from the mic. I was laughing too hard. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, so today on uh, if you've not seen Cinnamon Sugar, or so if you've not listened to Cinnamon Sugar podcast, uh, we talk about movies, and uh, we're talking about this movie. So if you've not seen The Upside, make sure you pause this episode of Cinnamon Sugar. You go and watch The Upside, unpause Cinnamon Sugar, and continue uh, listening to us. You have been warned. Attention! Attention! The following are movie spoilers. Stop listening now if you don't want to be spoiled. Now we got some so- show features and updates. Um, we like to interact with y'all in our... Uh, um, just kidding. Wait a second. This was... Uh, I did a copy and paste since we moved stuff. Uh, so what he was going to say is uh, we like to interact with people in the Sugar Cubes private Facebook group. Yep. Uh, for all the fans and whatnot. We like to ask questions and... See what you guys' answers are. And uh, in the update section, we're going to try and, you know, do little shout outs and whatnot for, for people who, you know, posted something interesting or, uh, you know, that did something cool. Uh, at some point, we'll have some merch and people who, you know, post pictures of merch and like cool things. Like if you get like you're wearing a cinnamon sugar shirt and you run into Brad Pitt on the sidewalk and you get a picture with him, post it to the group Boom. so that we can see that because that would be awesome that'd be sweet stuff like that but we uh yeah so uh anyways we were going to do some updates in this one and we already did the updates previously recorded episodes yep you gotta listen to the previous one we did miss one of the uh the one of the comments uh we did have one that says what's your favorite movie you can quote every line in and what's that line and the one we missed was uh one of our sugar cubes dan sullivan he said casablanca play it sam you play it at for her, you can play it for me. If she can stand it, I can stand it. That's a good one. Yes. What is what is a a movie that you can quote? 
Your favorite movie that you My favorite we can do Office Space or Goof Troop movie is my favorite. I let's, love Office Space. Just, what's your favorite Office Space quote? Or one of them? Since there's so many. I'm a goddamn people person. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is uh uh you, you stole my stapler. My burner's plates through the ground. <laughs> Your red swing line, no problem. Keep it. <laughs> Mine was uh, when uh, they're talking about um, somebody's, gir- somebody's got a case of the Mondays, <laughs> or the one where he's talking about where she, the uh, Jennifer Aniston he thinks that hooked up with his boss. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, their kids would have hooves. <laughs> <laughs> Office Space was a great movie. Like, she's gonna see my old face later. Oh, oh, Uh-oh. oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> My name is Abdullah Shimal Shad. How hard is that? <laughs> I love it when he's like in the car and he's like just trying to like find the faster lane, and then he sees the guy, the old man on the walker, like passing him. He just starts freaking out, like ah! Best intro ever. <laughs> I'm everything about that character. His name is Michael Bolton. He was like, um, dude, if you if you hate his. If you hate his music so much, why don't you change his name? Change your name. He's like, why should I change my name? He's the one that sucks. Everything was fine till that no talent ass clan started winning Grammys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, such a good. <laughs> oh man, good old office space. <laughs> uh, All right, so we're gonna get to the segment of pitch the movie in one sentence. If you don't know what a pitch for filmmaking is, it's a concise verbal and sometimes visual presentation of an idea for a film or TV series. And hopes to uh, gain funding to make the project. So, as our special guest, Rusty, pitch us the movie in one sentence. In one sentence. A rich man gets distracted, becomes paraplegic, hires the person who is least approved to do the job, and give him a second chance in life. Actually, see... Usually, and most of the time, the guests have a better one-liner than they the actual pitch. I like yours. It has more meaning to it. Yeah. <laughs> the one that I found on the interweb is a comedic look at the relationship between a wealthy man with quadriplegia and an unemployed man with a criminal record who's hired to help him. Yeah. No, I like his better. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because it, it, it does. It helps them, like, I don't know, they help each other out. Yeah. They 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 fill the empty spaces in the other one's lives. Yeah, yeah. It it's dumbfounding to me on how these people are becoming great friends throughout this whole movie just by giving them direct communication back at each other. And yeah. I was like, this is beautiful. Why isn't everyone else in their lives doing that to these people? Right. Yeah. Just trying to have. You Some know, people just don't know how to communicate. That's. And that's, and that's, yeah. And you know, uh, Rusty Thunderbeard, he is an amazing man when it comes to communication and a lot of good things positive. And uh, with anything in life, professional or personal relationships, if there's not clear communication, then there's going to be a lot of muddle. There's going to be misunderstanding. There's going to be hurt feelings. There's going to be a lot of possible negativity and misunderstandings. And when you're misunderstood, one can get offended. The, the worst thing for any sort of relationship is assumptions. Ooh. Plain and simple. When you start assuming things, then you are not communicating. Yep. Take those assumptions, make them the questions you need to ask that person, and it comes back at you tenfold in perfect timing. 
And it's also when you're when you ask those questions or you have questions about something towards somebody, it's how they are asked. They are it's how they are worded that also has a huge impact. Yes, because yeah. we all have different backgrounds to the point of where just certain words could be triggers. And all of a sudden we're going to put up walls. I'm going to inflate my ego and then we're not going to get anywhere. Yep. Well, no, and like um, just something as simple as like raising your voice. Okay. When, when you raise your voice, then the other person raises their voice and then you raise your voice again. And then it just becomes a screaming match. So like if you're having a, if you're having a, a heated discussion or, you know, like where passions might be, boiling to the surface a little bit it's it's good to just remain calm and speak at an even tone and not raise your voice even though sometimes some people like my i'm guilty of this uh, as much as anyone else sometimes like when i get really passionate about something like i will start raising my voice a little bit just because that runs I, in our that I, runs in our family bro yeah that's just because you cassie know. you and i yeah. we and and my wife i love my wife so much like she has she's a she's a she's latin she's a, she's latina. a very passionate she's a woman. very she 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 passionate she's very passionate with her love and she's also very passionate with her with her not hate i wouldn't i don't want to say hate i just what, what do we she, uh, just another say, word rusty attitude uh, yeah, her attitude. You know, she, it, it, and it's it comes from a culture. It comes from where you come from, right? So now that I understand that, when you're saying when a person gets to this level and the other person just matches it, but this other person controls whether they go up or down or stay, I would always choose to go up, and then she would match me. Then I would go up, and then she'd match me. Then I'd go up, then it match me, and then it gets blown out of proportion, and then to the point where we don't even know what we've been started fighting about. We just know that we are red in the face and we're angry. And just over the past few months, just uh, I, I feel that we've hit a maturity in our relationship uh, to where we are way more clear in our communications. I understand her triggers. I understand my triggers that she doesn't that 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 I because dude, we're Aaron. Are we not angry people by by nature? We're passionate people. We're, okay. we, we, we are passionate. We are passionate about the things that we love, and we are very passionate about the things that anger us as well. It yeah, doesn't mean that we are angry people. It just means that we we are very passionate people. Yeah, that's, okay? that's, that's a better word. I like that okay. than being angry. Because I don't just even like talking about negativity, I try to stay away from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. See, if you if you were a truly angry person, then you wouldn't try to shy away from negativity. You would embrace it and you would seek it out. Those are what angry people are. Yeah. So, uh, and like when you're, when you're having a conversation, if you, a lot of times the reason people raise their voices is because they're, they're feeling like they're not being heard and they want to be heard. So they raise their voice. Well, that then puts the other person on the defensive. So then they, they raise their voice and then it just becomes a screaming match. A lot of people don't understand, like uh, as a musician, musicians do the same sort of thing. They're like, Oh, people can't hear us. We got to turn stuff up. And really what you, what you learn as you get better at uh, communication and stuff like that is if you want somebody to really listen to you, you actually quiet down. You speak in a calmer tone at a lower volume because then it draws that person in to have to listen to what you have to say. And you can even physically see them leaning forward with their micro expressions or body language because they are drawn into it. 
Yeah. And that's better for communication because when you, when you, when you, like, if you, if you had the choice between screaming, you know, it's like, I just don't, I just don't feel that you understand me. If you yell that at them, then they become defensive. But if you go, I, I just don't feel like you understand me. That makes them go, oh, yeah. It it draws them in and it makes them self reflect more than become defensive. Yeah, things like that. So let's unpeel the emotion of this movie and unpeel the history of food with kumquats. So the uh, food, the sugar that we chose for this movie uh, was uh, was kumquats. I wanted to do like hot dogs because there's a part in the movie where he eats like a crap ton of hot dogs. But I, I don't know. I believe we can cover hot dogs in a different movie. Yeah, there's plenty of lowbrow movies. Yeah. That- <laughs> so kumquats. Um, so a kumquat is an edible orange-like fruit that is native to Southeast Asia. And the name kumquat comes from a Cantonese Cantonese word that means golden orange or golden tangerine. Ever had a kumquat? Has ever had kumquats? Never. Um, I want to say I have. Mom always made me try. We'd be at the grocery they're, store they're, and she'd buy stuff she didn't they're know. They're the ones that Just are like try. the size of the peanut M and M's, right? Yeah, they look like. Okay, so uh, so here. Um, Eat it resembles thing. an orange in, in shape and color, but it's actually quite small. It's about the size of a shooter marble. Okay, yeah. Like kumquats are usually round or oblong. And you eat the whole thing, peel and all. Um, there's You can eat them both ways. Um, okay. It is uh, known to be eaten just uh, the way that I ate it was just the whole thing, peel and all. Just mm-hmm. eat it like a grape. Granted, we, we do that with kiwis as well, which apparently is a, a huge... <laughs> weird thing apparently for most people Rusty. do you ever eat the skin of a kiwi no not at all it's an irritant and it, it causes my throat to almost like seize up to a point oh that's that is the it, first the, that the, is the first answer that i actually go okay then you should not eat it most people are just like no it's just gross i was like no it's not it's actually very tangy yeah right yeah no the pill is there to keep all the bugs out Birds and everything, so no, don't don't eat that. Don't put it in your body, guys. You eat the peel of a peach, though. Yes, but you don't yeah. eat a peel of an orange unless it's cooked. That's not true. I have. Uh, we had a niece. Uh, she used to eat an orange like an apple. Okay. Just peel it all. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Needed some vitamins, man. <laughs> she her her breath after she would do that would also smell like citrusy clean. Well, oh, so. yeah, she just puts uh, natural citric acid in her mouth. She <laughs> yeah. probably won't even need to brush her teeth anytime yeah, right. soon. It just yeah. eats away. She's all this definitely stuff. not getting scurvy. That's well, for sure. that's good to know. I did not know that the the uh, the the rind of a kiwi, the skin of a kiwi, is a irritant. Is an irritant. See, we always just because there are times though where I don't eat the skin of a kiwi. Um, because it's just thicker than normal. There are some kiwis with thinner skins, and so it's easy to eat. And I just think it's time-consuming to try to peel it. I, I eat that thing like a friggin' banana. Because it does have a tangy flavor oh, to it. Oh, it's great. I love it. <laughs> it's, and, and that's why I don't like uh, the artificial kiwi flavors, is because you don't get that... doesn't have that tang. No, yeah. it, I don't know. It's like uh, I'm trying to think of a dish that has a, a sweet... And a tangy 
combo to it where you could like separate the two. Lemon bars. If done right. No, you can't separate those two though. Let's separate. I'm trying to think. I went to super uh sweet and sour chicken. Oh yeah, because you have the lemon juice, you have the sweet sugar. Homemade sweet and sour chicken. I have noticed and it, like it's been a long time, but I made my own sweet and sour chicken. Wait, and you use like fresh orange juice, you squeeze and you do like all that citrusy stuff to it. Yeah. To me, like eating a kiwi without the without the peel, uh it just it removes that the zesty sour bite. Of the the fruit that I enjoy, it also it's, that's the way we were raised. Yeah, you know we're all products of our environment. Every, every what we like. Every family. Like, we talk about waffles versus pancakes. I like waffles more because that's what my mom made for from scratch as a kid all the time. And, so I ref- and Leander enjoys pancakes more because that's more what she had growing up as a kid. Yeah. yeah. So that's um, also probably the reason why we like raisin bran more than like frosted flakes. You know, I've, I've just now gotten into the poisonous sugary uh, cereal late at night. Yeah, I used to not, but it just it's it's a texture thing now. It's nice on my teeth. Yeah, <laughs> is that the six year old inside of you talking? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it feels nice on my teeth, though. My my favorite cereal is still regular Cheerios. Good old Cheerios. Regular that, Cheerios. That's not- my wife's favorite. I can't do it. It's I would prefer just to rip open the Cheerios box and just eat the box itself. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know what? Anytime someone has like that kind of aversion to something I enjoy, I always just go good. Right? That's what my good. wife says. That, more for me. It, it, it means that come apocalypse, I'm never gonna have to shoot you for the thing that I want. No, you keep your Cheerios. Yeah, and, it's and, like green and, nuts. And, and, and likewise, I'll throw the friggin' honey nut Cheerios at you. You can have them. I don't want them. Well, it's like, like, I've never understood grape nuts. Grape nuts is like cat litter, like cereal cat litter. Bless you. So uh, on a previous episode, I was talking about how I watched a show called uh, Food That Made America. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the guy who created grape nuts actually stole the recipe from the Kellogg brothers. He was a, he was a patient of John Kellogg at his health spa, where this uh, John Kellogg, he was a doctor who thought that you could heal any sort of like mental, you know, mental problems or uh, digestive with just like a proper diet. And that's how the Kellogg's cornflakes came around. But like the first thing that they actually made was um, they, they would make this bar and then they would crumple it up and it was, they called it granola. And then uh, the guy who created um, grape nuts, uh, what was his first name? Uh, last name was Post. Okay. He stole the recipe and then left and made his own thing, and he added sugar to it. There's actually sugar in grape nuts, believe it or not. Uh, (laughs) A small amount. But, yeah, so he started making that and started making bank off of it. Making bank off of something that he stole from somebody else. Sounds like the true American way. We just talked in the the, the last episode of... Just because you have the idea doesn't mean you're making making the banks off it. You have to use the one. Idea, you have to have a great lawyer in your corner <laughs> who can help stop people from taking over your idea and cutting you out of the money that comes in from it. Yeah. So the the, the peels to kumquats they're actually the, the the sweetest part of the fruit. 
And that's all I have about kumquats. <laughs> Besides, the earliest known references appear in 12th uh, century China. For parents of small children, uh, kumquats are considered a choking hazard. So uh, if you do feed your children kumquats, be sure to monitor them closely so that they do not choke and die. Yeah, safe. So now we're going to move on to some movie facts. And we're going to ask you a few questions here. Rusty, are you ready for it? No. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. Okay, so... Um, in the film, Dell, played by Kevin Hart, he paints a picture of a Doberman. Yes. I love that picture, too. $50,000. I'd pay it. Uh, true or false? Uh, he does not actually have um, a Doberman in real life. True. Incorrect. In real life, Kevin Hart has a Doberman named Roxy. Sorry, Roxy, I forgot about you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Roxy, I never knew about you. <laughs> so this is this was based off of this, so this movie was based off a true story, uh, mm-hmm. just based off of because once I did all the research, I'm like, yeah, this is definitely based off a true story. Um, and Philippi was um, paralyzed, uh, and true or false, it was the result of a paragliding accident. True, correct. Yeah, so the upside is so it reveals the life, the real life paragliding accident. It actually happened in uh, several yard reliefs of Monte Biz, Bizane in the Swiss Alps in 1993 when Philippi was 42. He had uh, he was distracted because he was he had to lay off a bunch of workers and that was on his mind and he wasn't paying attention to what he was doing, and he crashed, and uh, he remained in the hospital for two years before he was able to go home, and at that same time. He was paralyzed. His wife was dying of cancer. Yes. that That's just heavy. And I don't know what I'd be able to do with that because, Whoa. yeah, I'm sitting there laying on the ground, can't do anything, and all of a sudden my cancer-ridden wife is looking over me. Knowing, oh. like, I messed up. Yes. It was like, oh, yeah, hey, there's a storm coming. I'm going to go get my wings and fly. Right. Yeah, I, I can't imagine being in in that. Well, because as a, I don't know, maybe it's not as a man, but we, we don't like to make mistakes so much, especially if it affects our family. Yes, right. A true, a true. I swear, a true family man does. He will feel bad if he made a mistake or he made, he got in an accident that well now completely impacts his family's life, mm-hmm. especially his loving spouse. Yes, you know, uh, and so. So his wife actually she suffered uh, with a long battle with cancer and she passed away in 1996, and that was three years, roughly three years after his paragliding accident. So this means in real life, Philippi, Philippi's uh, Philip's first wife was alive for almost three years after his caretaker, um, um, played by Kevin Hart, uh, was hired in 1993. Gotcha. So they had to you know Hollywoodize it up and make it. Make no. her make her already dead, right? So yeah, they had to, build they it had, all up. They had to take a, a a page out of the Disney book and kill the mom off at the beginning. Right, yeah, we're watching Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there was a company that um, a very very well known production company that 
uh, were going to be credited as executive producers, but did not appear in the theatrical version due to the bankruptcy of the company and the sale of the film. Uh, do you know which production company was that uh, went bankrupt? It was just recent. Just recent. Me too. I I have nothing. Can I right take now. a guess? Aaron, go. New Era. Oh, Wine Weinstein Company. Oh. Send me too. Yeah, well, yeah, he owned the friggin' uh, was it New Era? It's not New. Oh, Era. Did, he, did he own other ones? Um, oh, what was it? New. It had the film things like that and new cinema. No, not uh, it's, is it the is it the production company that did Ninja Turtles? That yes, you see with that, the ladders. Yeah, it looks yeah, like ladders, yeah, but it's film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, I don't. I, I can't. New line. New line. That's yeah. It was new something. <laughs> yeah, new I'm line. Like, I've seen this so much it's ingrained in my head as a yeah, kid. Yeah, new line cinema was owned by Weinstein. Oh, it, was, okay. it was a Weinstein company, so. So yeah, but no. So yeah, after uh, Harvey so, Weinstein uh, was removed as an executive producer. Good and, riddance. And yeah. It was a uh, it was a terrible thing for that area. Um, so, Nicole Kidman was in this movie. Yes, yeah, she was. Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart—they were the main three people. Nicole Kidman she earned a rare feat with uh, when two of her films landed first and second place at the box office in the same weekend. Um, one for Upside and one for what other movie out of two thousand eighteen? I'm not quite sure. Let me go through my my data bank in my mind here. Nicole Kidman going through her IMDb right now in my head. What is it? I'm not quite sure. Aquaman. Aquaman. She was in Aquaman. The mother. I guess so. I've never seen Aquaman. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I've, I guess I've learned. I, so, I've, so I, I, there's a difference between film, film and movie. A movie is like a Marvel movie where it's just, just sheer entertainment, just to entertain you. Mm-hmm. A film is something that's more in depth. Yes, it's more. You have to, th- you have to watch like Arrival. That's a film. That mm-hmm. is not a movie. That yeah. is a film. Because the more you watch it, the more you understand it, and the more you appreciate it. Yeah, there's yes. there's deeper meaning to lots of parts that you don't get off the first bat. So my my film taste buds have changed over the years to where I enjoy film more than movie. So that that's why I don't really tailor I don't really watch Marvel so much. Um, they're fun to watch. They're entertaining, but I don't know. I just not a I'll watch it to watch it, but not to. Uh. I like the appreciation. Okay, Aaron's a big nerd when it comes to this stuff. Okay, so <laughs> he's staring at me blankly. So I'm gonna go. This is not an unpopular opinion for this movie. I guess this is an unpopular opinion, or it's because this isn't a movie. This is a film. Sometimes I want to watch something and think. Other times I just want to sit down and watch bright lights and colors. Do you do it's funny? Most of the time. I just want to sit down and watch bright lights and colors because I'm thinking <laughs> so much the rest of the time that the last thing I want to do is think about something. And as far as films go, okay, just because it makes you think doesn't mean it's a good movie. And I am speaking specifically about the Irishman. 
by freaking uh, Scorsese. Are you talking about the newer one that's like a three-hour movie with Robert De Niro? The one on, on Netflix? I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I only yeah. watched half of it, which was like a full-length movie. If I had movie. paid to watch that movie, like, I honestly feel that Scorsese owes me at least one month of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And the... And he's the one who was like the most outspoken about how like Marvel movies aren't real movies and stuff like that. So when he said that after watching The Irishman, I was like, F that guy. Seriously. I don't give a crap what he thinks because I just watched his latest piece of shit. And friggin' <laughs> No. Aaron, no. How, how do you how do you truly feel about that? I feel Scorsese is extremely <laughs> overrated. That's how I feel. Moral of the story is. I've I have watched two Scorsese movies that I can tell you 100% fact that they were his movies. And both of them were total pieces of shit, in my opinion. Okay? Eyes Wide Shut and The Irishman. Oh, those were his two movies? Those are the two that I can tell you for a fact I know were his movies. And they both sucked. Oh, wow. In my opinion. (laughs) In my opinion, they both sucked. There was nothing deep about them. There was nothing... Like, with Arrival, there was like... There's thought processes and like the stuff that like those movies were just slow moving turds. Okay. <laughs> it was the mental equivalent of having a long shit on so, the toilet. So, for you, me. so you're telling me you watched the entire Irishman? Yes. You didn't, you, there wasn't like an hour. You didn't hit the hour mark or the two hour mark. You go, like, you know what? I watched the entire. I okay, ended up why? staying up and two hours past my bedtime because I was like, there's got to be something interesting that happens Man, soon. You just, you just drug that out longer. <laughs> I was, Three I, hours of my life. That's why I only made it an hour and by a half. Because I'm like, you know what? I can't even follow this. I'm, I'm out. He. He's not a great filmmaker. He's the greatest thief of time that I have ever witnessed in my life. Okay, he took he took something that literally could have been done in an hour and a half and strung it up to three hours. And you know how we we're talking about when we get passionate about something and get loud. Yeah, here's, yeah. here's a prime example. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I'm glad I'm in the middle of you two. They're facing each other on the opposite side of the rooms, just battling it out. It's beautiful. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. Like I've I've seen other movies where they had to shorten it. To three hours, and I would rather watch the I would rather watch the director's cut of uh, uh, Dances with Wolves in an, in its entirety, the entire five hour long director's cut. I would rather watch that than have to even think about watching The Irishman ever again. Well, it's like um, just like how Interstellar. You know, it was a long movie. It was a three-hour movie. It was a long movie, but, but it, it was... was so good because it was just—I don't know. It, you use your brain more. You want a short movie. You want a short movie that you can think about, but a longer movie that's action-packed and here's, entertaining. Here's here's the reason why Interstellar was such an amazing movie, in my opinion. Okay, because yes, it did have the deeper thoughts and the deeper meanings of film, but it also had the bright lights and the colors. Ah, uh, true. Because it was all based <laughs> from on science. movies. There was, it was visually a very interesting movie to watch. As where with Scorsese, like he doesn't, he doesn't, in my opinion, does not put nearly as much thought into the visual aspect of it, and he just literally just goes for like the deeper meaning of whatever. Yeah. Or it's all in the dialogue, and uh... 
I'm, so, done, I'm done with this round. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> I'm done. We're, we're talking about a much better movie. Yes, yes we are. The Upside, which, by the way, this movie was one of the first movies that uh, really made me um, appreciate Kevin Hart as a, as a true actor. Yes. As a true actor. For the first time, he actually was able to get, get a role. I, I'm not going to say that he was able to do a role, because I'm pretty damn sure that he could have played this kind of role at any time, but he was finally given the chance to do a serious role mm-hmm. and he did an amazing job with it. And now he's started getting some more serious roles. There's a that new movie that just came out with him where he's like a, a single father. Yeah. I, I saw the, the, uh, the trailer for that on Netflix. That trailer looks amazing. I, I can't wait to watch that movie. Um, cause just like the, the clip that I saw where he, he goes into like the new mother's class and like, Talking about the bowel movements. The, the, <laughs> this, this kid will buckshot you. <laughs> and then they're, they're talking about this. Oh, it just sounds like she has colic. He's like, I gave the baby colic. What the? Oh, man. I can't believe my so dad. He's, he's, uh, it's a kind of a more... Because uh, Kevin Hart, he's, you know, he's obviously... He's very funny. And he knows how to bring humor to the... To the, the you know, to the... He's a great... To the movie. He's a great comedic... Uh, co, co star. He's an amazing comedic co star, especially when you pitch him uh, with The Rock. Right, like him and The Rock right. together are like just a dy- just a dynamic. The the funniest too, because The Rock just he's got that look, and like when The Rock starts being funny, it it just yeah, it's hilarious. Um, yet another one of those actors that I'm really glad that he's getting to do. Different roles. Oh, he's becoming a better actor every single movie he gets into. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing to think that he started out in pro wrestling. Yeah. The, by far the most dynamic entertainment industry with the worst acting. <laughs> right? Just the cheesy acting. <laughs> it is the worst acting. It is the, uh, it's the porn star equivalent of acting in that that medium right <laughs> just it's was, was like oh i'm here to clean your pool i don't have a pool you know it's just like that terrible kind of acting rusty what did you think about kevin hart in this movie as far because it because like you said it's it, he's getting more serious too and, and with this one he really he still had his comedic relief in it but it was more of a serious it was a serious movie and it was a serious role oh it was incredible so I enjoyed it mainly because Hart, he was a petty thief when he grew up. So he's, in the very beginning, he's playing his true self. So that's his true emotion, his true life coming out. And I fell in love with it. And just the one-liners that he was popping off, well, they were back and forth through this whole movie. I'm just laugh crying. I'm like, yes, that is perfect. Because my family, we, we joke in serious aspects in everyone's life. It's like, okay, grandma died. Okay. We're going to laugh about what she did throughout her whole life. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to serve her life. We're not going to just think about her death. And Kevin Hart did that. He was like, no, I know how to treat a person with, with my full heart. Uh, anytime somebody was down talking the other character, he was like, no, talk to him. We're all human beings here. Yes. He's in a wheelchair. Who cares? But no, Kevin Hart was just incredible all the way through. And I can respect an actor 
that is short that doesn't need a step stool in every single scene like Tom Cruise. <laughs> he doesn't need a cruise <laughs> box or, or an apple box. Or, right? or yep. Sly. Yeah, Sly yeah. stood on a, his fair share of crates too. Mm-hmm. Right. Just to sh- show the height and uh, it's because well, it, it shows, you know, authoritative and, you know. Well, owning. Owning. Owning the space. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, yeah, that's, well, that's acting right there is owning the space. I, I really liked, uh, you know, Kevin Hart's character in this. Excuse me. And because because he he was he wasn't his typical Kevin Hart because I want to have an unpopular opinion actually. No, I have an unpopular opinion. Oh. So ever since I've known of Kevin Hart, this is like back in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten, where he was getting his he was starting to grow in in his stand up career, right? And he's basically just maintained this. Um, rise in and what he's good at, right? Just being himself, just like, ah, you know, Kevin Hart, yeah, you know, just like sarcastic and just funny, 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 funny. And that was good. It, it, he was, he's, he's grown and grown and grown and grown, but now he's starting to, he's starting to mature into an actual actor. He's not just a comedian acting. He's now turning into an actor. So I am, and he's made, you know, a good amount of films over the past few years but to me, they're all the same movie. He's the same character in all the movies. In his yes. comedic roles. In his comedic roles. Well, he's yeah, he's yeah. Kevin Hart just playing so-and-so. That's because he's being typecast. Yeah, he's being, right. he's being typecast. Yeah. So for them, for him to get this role and to be cast in this, where he does have his comic relief, he still is Kevin Hart, but he's more that, you know, these are my roots. Uh, you know, this is where I came from. He he was, uh, and so it showed the realism. But he was he wanted better for his son, mm-hmm. and so he was like that that heartwarming aspect of him and the serious of how um, of how his character was and how it was helping out Brian Cranston's uh, character. That was you know he was a quadriplegic. And he knew nothing, you know, and I like the part where they're telling him that he has to change out his catheter. <laughs> and she's, uh, Nicole Kidman's like taking out the catheter and, and uh, Brian Cranston's like, but I can't feel it. And he's all, that's what like his little comedic part comes out. He's all, oh, 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 no, no, nah, no, nah, I can't do that. No, nah. And they're like, you got to change this. So like, of course, with every actor, you're going to have a little bit of you that comes out. And that right there, it was good because that was, the, but the rest of the time he was being serious and he was, he was treating Brian Cranston as a human, even though he's a quadriplegic, like you said, uh, or like, like Rusty said in the, when he was getting the hot dogs. Yes. What happened was when they were ordering hot dogs. Because they got super high. Because he, yeah, he, because, he, he couldn't because, sleep. Brian Cranston couldn't sleep. The customer server representative would just talk to Kevin Hart's character, not uh, Philip in that, because he's in a chair. So we just look at them differently, I guess. Well, they did anyways. And no, let's not. They're human beings. They can't move their limbs, but they have a heart. They have a brain. They can still talk. Exactly. It was almost like roles were reversed in that situation. Kevin Hart, you know, he was, you know, lower, lower class, but yet Brian Cranston was higher class. So anytime that he went in, anywhere where it was his people, Brian Cranston's higher class, everyone looked down on Kevin Hart. Right. But they were just in a hot dog shop on the street <laughs> and, and, you know, super, super baked. And, uh, uh, 
Kevin Hart's ordering goes to order some hot dogs and they ask him what he what Brian Cranston wants. And he goes, man, don't talk to me. Talk to him. He's right there. So he's like basically saying, hey, I know what it's like to be talked down to like that. Yes. Like I'm not a person. So hey, man, talk to him. So for the, him to to understand that, it's a sense of understanding. Yes. Of you know, hey, I've been there before. That sucks. No, no, no. He's another person. And then Brian Cranston's like, thanks. Everyone just thinks that treats me like I'm not here. So you're trying to tell me this world uh, treats people in wheelchairs just like we treat people that got out of prison. If it's some kind of possible disability. Yes. Um, people, whether people with disability, people, for some strange reason, people have a tendency to treat somebody with a, with a, like a, a physical disability like they are completely disabled and not able to care for themselves, period. Right. And um, like they'll act differently around the and. To the person who has the disability, like if if person's in a wheelchair and someone's like, hey, man, I got to run. I mean, I got to I got to go. And it, like, they can handle the word run, dude. They yeah, don't, it's they not don't. you're like pointing out, hey, oh, you, can't, oh, yeah. you can't walk. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like now you're making it weird. Yeah, no. <laughs> they don't need your pity. They yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't get to decide what other people can handle. Plain and simple. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, stop. Stop. Try and like if someone's like, "Hey, man, let's let's run and go do this." Hey, you can't say that because he's in a wheelchair and he can't. And it's like, he can run over me with this wheelchair. Okay, <laughs> I can say the word "run" to him. They can okay? juice this up and he can move faster than me. Okay, yeah, that's what Kevin yeah. Hart's character did. And <laughs> yeah, I just love that. I love that scene too. They're just flying down the <laughs> right, and that is part of based on the true story. He did that in real life. That's so cool. Yeah, he souped it up, and yeah, he's like, "No, we're going to be racing through the park," and I'm like, "Yes, that's awesome." Yeah, and it's it was it was uh, it is just like Kevin Hart brought some of his life into um, into Philip's life, and then Philip, you know, just treated him just as equal as him, and uh, gave him opportunities, and like when he did the painting, and like his the neighbor that was just how would you describe Philip's neighbor? Like the rich stuck up neighbor uptight uptight nose is always in the air, right? The elitist, the elitist. And, uh, but, um, Kevin Hart's character, Dell paints this abstract Doberman painting. (laughs) And, and and they were just like, what the heck is this? And I like at a birthday party, it was hanging up and, and, uh, Brian Cranston's house. And that neighbor was like looking at it and was like, Oh, who is this? Because Brian Cranston like sold paintings and like, you know, knew his stuff. And so people took what he said about painting, like, Oh, he knows he's a guru. And so when he sees Kevin Hart's painting, uh, the neighbor doesn't know it's Kevin Hart's painting. It's just like some bullshit that he just threw together. Right. And he, he talks it up and talks it up and ends up selling it to the guy for a lot of money. Like like $50,000 or something. And then gives that money to to Kevin Kevin Hart Hart. as a down payment for a business venture that he wants to do. Yeah, just do something. So he he sees, he's just like trying to help him out because, you know, he's just got a bad rap and he made some mistakes and society's not letting him live those down. Everybody makes mistakes and there's very few mistakes that you can make that should affect you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, Getting caught with a bag of weed is not one of them, in my opinion. Right. I 100% agree. It's it's a weed. It grows on every single continent except for Antarctica. Nothing grows on Antarctica. Exactly. <laughs> except, except penguin crap. Okay, that's the only thing that grows in Antarctica. And even then, it grows. Yeah. 
Yeah, grows so, higher by the day. We had just mentioned uh, we had just talked about Interstellar uh, in a pre- uh, and we did we covered that in a previous episode. With that being said, um, one person that got cast, they were going to cast uh, this actress for the role that Nicole Kidman got cast for. It was Jessica Ch- uh, Chastin that played Murph in Interstellar. She was going to play Nicole oh, Kidman's. Oh, 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 the daughter. Yeah, the daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. the daughter. They were actually going to cast her for um, Nicole Kidman's character in this movie. And this was the second film that Nicole Kidman got picked over her <laughs> for a movie. And the other one was being, uh, it was uh, Grace of Monaco in 2014. So she got beat out by Nicole Kidman like twice. She's probably got a picture I wouldn't of Nicole feel bad Kidman. by that. Okay, exactly. So like if she's I was probably an actor, got a picture of like Nicole Kidman like on a dartboard and she's just like mm. every time. Come on. But, <laughs> but can can you imagine though like if I got like if if I got it was either me or I don't know. Uh you or Dane Cook. Uh, well, not anymore. Dane Cook. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. it is prime. Yeah, in in his prime, yeah, no, it's, he's he's his, his, his story is unfortunate. It sucks. Uh, uh, I don't no, know. Okay, okay, you or uh, dude from Notebook, uh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Yes. Okay, Channing Tatum, Ryan Gosling, uh, any of those guys, if they got picked over me, if it was me and with them, and they got chose, I'm like, hey. High I five. Se- I got second place. <laughs> I'd be, they, I, I, they were considering me. I'd be, I, I'd be like, hey, sucks to be them. If, 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 <laughs> if you, if you know, if you know the person who's doing the casting, just be like, hey, um, can I be the one to let them know? Right. <laughs> can, can I do the callback? No, no. Can, can I, can I go meet them in person? And be like, hey, just so you know, uh, I was being considered for this role, but they're giving it to you, and. As a condition of that, I just wanted to say hi and get my picture taken with you because right. you're really cool. I, li- right. I like you. <laughs> they, they like this. So when I do callbacks for uh, when I do casting for stuff, because as an actor, the word unfortunately is like the first thing you hear, right? Any, yeah. kind, any kind of rejection. It's the easiest yeah. way, right? And so I called up uh, one of these, uh, a recent film, I called uh, one guy up to give him a callback. So I like to personally call him just to say, hey, congratulations, you know, if I can. Excuse me. And uh, I call him up, and I was like, hey, man, so unfortunately, the other guy was not as good as you, so you got the role. Congratulations. <laughs> and then he, it's quiet, and you're like, like what? Oh man! Oh come on! You know that as an actor, I was like, unfortunately, is the word that you don't want to hear. He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I just like to just like to keep on your toes. Trying to trying to take trying to take this word back. Right. Trying to take it back. Positive reinforcement. So it's just like you know you get some here, but then it just even they like, excite some more. So it's it's funner to give them those kind of uh... knock them down a peg before you give yeah, them. Yeah, the just news. knock them down. And just be like, yeah, who's your daddy? Uh, but yeah, so. Uh, uh, so yeah, um, do you guys do you have any? Uh, you, you did some research, Rusty, right, for this movie I, a little bit. I did. I wanted to figure out what happened after the movie, and beautiful things. Uh, they both found their wives in Morocco. Sweet. So they went there. Uh, Dell is still living in Morocco. Phil flies in every year to visit them and actually have you know, spend time with best friends. So yeah, they've been friends for what? Over 20 years, almost 24, 25 years now. If it was uh 96, yeah. 
when his wife. So no, twenty seven years. Yeah, twenty because yeah, ninety three. Yeah. Yep. Was hired in ninety three, and um, if you haven't seen this movie, so the movie is based out of um, New York, right? Brian, yeah. Brian Cranston, Kevin Hart, they're it, all based out of New York. It is uh, an American remake of a French film. Yeah, so so the, the actual characters are over over in Europe area. So that's uh, and then uh, Dell was is he was actually what was his ethnicity? Nigerian, I believe. Yeah, he wasn't something. Yeah, he, he was. Uh, he was. He was another foreign one. So it, it was. Um, um, so yeah. So it was. It was just really cool that they did a little remake on it, and to just really, you know, it works for us, and we understand it. You mm-hmm. know, and it's it's. Uh, it was just a really good memorable story, and uh, we're getting down to the the most epic scene of the movie. Oh my gosh! If you guys pick. With them just shattering glass, it's gonna be. It, is time. it was my favorite. For us to unveil <laughs> yes. the most remembered, the most repeated, the most epic scene of the movie. So, Rusty, the most epic scene of the movie. Oh, the most epic scene in the movie is where things start breaking. I love the sound of shattering glass. It actually helps people drop emotion from their body and their face because that sheer is just a high-pitched sound that we're not used to hearing, so it calms us down. So when we're that angered and we need to calm down, break some glass. Yeah, sometimes uh, breaking things is actually very therapeutic, uh, which has been... Uh, recently started being proven uh, with the opening of uh, break rooms and yeah, things like that. We have one here in town. Yes, we do. Um, and it, it actually started in the UK. Uh, they would have like this giant tent around Christmas time because, you know, the holidays and whatnot, those are very stressful times because there's there's a lot of money being spent. Uh, there's a lot of family that's usually not around that's around at that time and stuff like that. Yep. And sometimes you just need to be able to go and and vent and freaking get some of that frustration out. And the easiest way to do that is to break things. Yes. And that's why the break room is, and one of the things that you don't realize is as a quadriplegic, you don't have the ability to break stuff anymore. Nothing. So like all that anger just kind of sits inside of you. And this scene is great because he finally gets to, break things that he's wanted to break. He's always hated these things and they're stuck in his place and he can't break them. And then, yeah, as the scene progresses, you'll, you'll, you'll hear all that kind of stuff. I want to give a shout out to the, the break room here in Missoula, Montana. They, uh, I have personally gone there. I took my uh, beautiful wife there for her birthday. Um, and we had a great time. It is unhinged Missoula, unhinged Missoula.com. They are not a sponsor. We're just, I just like them. So I'm just going to give you a little rundown. They're a fun and creative space to break, smash, destroy, annihilate, bash, throw, crush, shatter, rip, batter, splatter, all kinds of stuff in a safe, healthy and controlled environment. They created an uh, a, an uncaged area to where you can uh, uncage your inner rage and release tension and stress because, let's face it, like we said, it can build up inside. So check them out on HingeMissoula.com. But most epic scene of the movie. And you're going you're gonna to do the voiceover for this scene, right? Yeah, so the setup for this scene is where they start smashing stuff. And um, they... It's at a party, and uh, Brian Cranston didn't want the the party, but uh, Nicole uh, 
Nicole Kidman and uh, Kevin Hart put together the surprise party, and he just hated it. And he takes him into the other room and says, "I, why did you do this? This is stupid." He's like, "Oh, heaven forbid, we throw your birthday party in, uh, you know, in your in your stuff." So they start smashing stuff that he hates. And then, yeah, anyways, take it away. We should probably go. No, I specifically said nothing for my birthday. I didn't. I. Everybody wanted to do something, and I just thought that maybe... Yvonne, there are very few things in my life I can control, and you know that. My time and the people I choose to share it with are at the top of my list. I know. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell them that they all should leave. Did you know about this? Huh? I'm sorry, P. I'm sorry you gotta have a surprise party in your huge mansion. You gotta get a bunch of expensive gifts from your rich friends. I'm sorry you got a thoughtful executive. Some of us got real problems. I'm fighting to see my son. Oh, I'm sorry, D. Is a single afternoon with your son not enough to repair the years of neglect? Watch your mouth, man. And whose fault is it that you can't see him? Screw you. Screw your damn privilege, man. And your attitude, man. Are you mad? You mad, P? He's looking. At, he's looking at the bottle that his neighbor brought. You want to break that this? That he just hates. You want to break Carter's bottle of wine? You want to break this big-ass bottle of wine? Yes! Ah! What else you want to do, pig? Hmm? You want this right here? The bull. I've always hated it. Relative? <laughs> it's, it's a she. Are you sure that this, that this is a she? <laughs> Talking about the painting he just smashed. That's Jenny's Aunt Winnie. It's actually a very flattering portrait of her. <laughs> Point at the quadriplegic and say he did it. Right? <laughs> Daryl made a mess. <laughs> I'm sorry. Nicole came in just so came in and saw the mess. You. you didn't deserve that. Oh, it's... It's all right. <sighs> oh, shit. Are the guests still here? You ready to go party? (laughs) 
I'm a viewer. So even after, so, so after this, they went to the party and then uh, they started talking to some people and they were kind of, you know, boring. And uh, early on in the movie, they Kevin Hart had an idea of like, basically he had an idea for an app, basically like weed maps to mm-hmm. find like local weed. Right. And so he's like, he called it something. And then during the party he goes, Hey, let's go do some research and development on that app. And he says, I dealer, I, I dealer. And he goes, huh? And then just, and then it shows them coming out of, out of the room, just all smoke. smoke. And they're all like just stoned and they just start eating everything <laughs> and making the opera people sing all of his favorite opera songs. And Kevin Hart's like, you know, composing. <laughs> Anyways. So it's, it's, it's just a good movie. It was good overall. Um, uh, thank you so much, uh, Popcorn Rusty Thunderbeard, for being a special guest with us. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simmon Sugar, you sugar cubes. Uh, you, we are podcasting from Guest Room Studios. Download Cinnamon Sugar Podcasts on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Audible, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you can find us online. Don't forget Amazon Music as well. It's on there as well. Amazon Music. And also, uh, if you like the Cinnamon Sugar Podcast, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Instagram, and also join the Sugar Cubes private Facebook group. Check it uh, out. We're we're just under 100 folks right now, but we it's, hope it's growing. Oh, it's going to get bigger. It's, it's gonna, growing. It's going to grow much more. Got anything, uh, got anything for us? Anything for the Sugar Cubes? Uh, the only thing I really disliked about this movie is Nicole Kidman's character said that she didn't like beards. That's not cool. I, I almost stopped the movie like an How hour How long have you been growing it. your beard out? Ten years so far. I'm at 37 inches, and this is awarded Montana's Best Full Beard four years running. Boom! And how long is your beard? 37 inches. <laughs> I sit on it. <laughs> well... Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Cinema and Sugar Podcast. From our mouths to your ears, that's a wrap! Uh, What the shit?